Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Hey, we're going to start a new series of talks today called Where There's a Will, There's a Way. Where there's a will, there's a way. Now, when you came in, usually I say, hey, you got your sermon notes and your worship guide, but you don't. And that's because I had, we had to leave town on Thursday, and I didn't have time to get the sermon notes turned in so they could have them. But if you are a techie, the YouVersion notes are there, so you can get those on your YouVersion Bible app. So let's get those out this morning, or you can just get out a piece of paper and take old-fashioned, just write notes out. Imagine that. You can also do that. But hey, let's get the Bibles out this morning. Let's open to Romans chapter 1. Just excited about the Bible, and what that means to us is that every time we open the Bible, we believe God's going to speak to us. So if that shocked you, that little whoop there, watching on you, are like, why are they shouting about the Bible? That's why. We want to get excited about what God's speaking to us. This new series that we're talking about today, I want to get into, and I'm going to start it by just asking you a few questions. Have any of you ever asked any of these questions of yourself? I know I have at different times, and, and maybe it'll speak to somebody, maybe you've you watching online, maybe you, or maybe you here in the room. Does, here's the first question. Does God really have a will or a plan for our lives? Is he, is he truly interested in what happens in our individual lives? Is he interested to that level of detail? Can we actually know his will for our life? Is that something we can even know? Or is it just guesswork and wonderment? And I sure hope I'm there. Things that we're going to address do we have any say-so in His will coming to pass in our lives? Or is it just going to happen no matter what we do? Those are questions that a lot of people ask. The questions that maybe you've asked yourself. Is God in complete control of every detail of our lives? We're going to hit a few of these. And so if you're not sure where you land on some of those questions, that's all right. Sometimes it depends on the question on where where we land and what season of our life, but we're, we want to see what the Bible says about this. Now this, this phrase, where there's a will, there's a way, is a famous proverb. Now when I say proverb, not the book of Proverbs, proverb, but just a proverb or a saying, and it's used to describe someone who's determined to do something and that they will find a way to accomplish it regardless of obstacles. Anybody know anybody like that? If you're sitting by them, just keep looking forward. Where there's a will, there's a way. It's usually used to describe how a person will figure out a way to do what they want to do when they want to do it. But if we're really honest, how many of us know we really do what we want to do? I mean, we say all the time, well, sorry, I can't, I'm busy. But if you really want to do something, all of a sudden that schedule opens wide up. You know, it's like uh, if you had asked me a couple weeks ago, say, hey, Chad, would you like to book a hotel in Bloomington for two nights? And just hang out and stay around? I'd be like, no, I'm busy. But all of a sudden, my daughter wins a volleyball game. Everything changes. And now we can suddenly have time to travel and spend two nights. You may understand what I'm talking about. This happens, whether it's volleyball for you or whether it can be something serious. It could be the death of a loved one. It can be a marriage. It could be something you're like, all of a sudden, you didn't have it planned but you wanted to do it, so you made it happen. It, it works that way. Our kids have something. You may have Christmas programs are coming up. 
normally you're not saying, hey, can I go to the school and spend about three hours watching little kids sing songs? But if your kid's there or grandkids there, there you sit. Your favorite show may be on at home, but you're sitting right there. Why? Because where there's a will, there's a way. And just, it could be a positive sense or it could be a negative sense. But we're going to talk about that in a lot of different areas and see how it applies. But this phrase was first published in 1640 by a guy by the name of George Bear. Maybe you know him. And here's what he said initially back then. To him that will, ways are not wanting. To him that will, ways are not wanting. And then by the 1820s, the phrase was adjusted where it came what popularly known today as where there's a will there's a way. So for the context of this series, though, because when, when God first spoke that phrase to me, I had that thought, you know, and it's like, where there's a will, there's a way. So I thought, okay, God, we're going to be talking about determination, perseverance, pushing through, overcoming obstacles. Yes. And he's like, no, that's not what we're going to talk about. I'm like, so what, so, so what are we going to talk about? So I'm going to talk about where there's a will, there's a way. I'm like, yeah, I got that part. So it's going to be about overcoming. So no. I want you to understand, I want you to talk about the relationship between my will and my way and your will and your way. Oh, a little different perspective. Because what I feel like God was wanting to break down is the need for us to understand that just because God has a will for our life doesn't mean it comes to pass in our life. Because He gave us a will. And he wants us to cooperate with his will. So he has a will, but he also has a way to get to his will. And we have a will. And how many know we have our own way sometimes? So we're going to talk about that, see what it looks like. When I, when I start talking about the will of God and throw that phrase out there, all kinds of different opinions pop up and conceptions people have. Some people think the will of God is like a divine Easter egg hunt. You know, they're just wandering around in life, not sure what to do, and they're just making choices blindly and don't know whether it's the will of God or not. They just think God's up there going colder, 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 choice, warmer, okay, warmer, warmer. They think it's something like that, and, and I don't think it's like that at all, but sometimes we, we wonder. Some people think of the will of God, when they think of the will of God, this is probably one of the most prominent ones, they think about an undesirable diet. Like when you think about the will of God, you think about the diet. Because when you think diet, what's your first thoughts when you think diet? You're thinking about what you can't eat. You're thinking about what you can't have anymore. As soon as you think diet, you're thinking, because there's not a lot of, you know, they have a lot of fads, a lot of great diets out there. It could be Atkins, it could be keto, it could be all the kinds of different things out there. Nobody's coming up with pizza diet. You know, ice cream, chocolate chip cookies, come on. There needs to be a diet for that somewhere. There is, yeah. There's, <laughs> there is. There's, this guy came up to me not too long ago in the gym, and he said, hey, you got, you got any suggestions for me? And I said, yeah. He said, what's, what's your secret to get more health? I said, more cookie dough ice cream. That's what you need in your life, more cookie dough. But see, we, we, we think about a diet, we think about what we can't have. And too many times when people think about the will of God, they think about what they can't do. So it's like diet, depravity, will of God, depravity. And there's that correlation that I don't know if I want the will of God because when I think about the will of God, I've got to think about what I can't do anymore. And we're going to address that and try to bust that myth a little bit. 
I wish, I wish the will of God for myself, I wish the will of God came to me in the form of like a recorded message every morning. It was like, dun, 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 But it doesn't come to me like that. I wish the will of God was that plain, that God just sent a message to me. It was on my dresser. I wake up, or it's on my phone. Oh, a text from God. This is my will for the day. Check. How many knows it doesn't come that way? So we got to figure out what does the will of God look like and how can we walk in it. So let's look at Romans chapter 1. I'm going to give you three myth busters about the will of God today. Three myth busters. We'll get into the first one here in just a moment. Romans chapter 1. Verse 8, this is Paul writing a letter to the Christians in Rome, thus they're called the Romans, because they're from Rome. Thank you. Clever, clever. Sometimes I like to break down the exegetical difficulties of the scripture so you can understand. (laughs) Sorry. Anyway, verse 8, you married this, it's all yours. It's all yours. She's like, thank you, Jesus. Verse 8, stay focused, people watching online. I'm sorry, these people. Verse 8, first, first I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making requests, If by some means now at last I may find a way in the will of God, underline that, highlight it, circle it, stare at it, to come to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gifts so that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. In verse 11, we find the will of Paul. Here's what he says. Here's my will. For I long to see you. I want to be with you. I want to see you. We find the presence of the will of Paul. This is what Paul wants to do. I want to come see you. I want to be with you. When he says, I long to see you, it's like, I really, 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 really want. You know, like when your kids ask you to do something and you say no, and they say, no, I really, 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 really. Oh, okay. (laughs) I had no idea. Now that you put five reallys on there, then go ahead. But this is what Paul was saying. I long to see you. So we see this is his will. But, go back to verse 10. He really wants to come see them, but he says, By some means now at last I I may find a way in the will of God. Paul wants to go see him, but he wants to find a way in the will of God. The word find a way there is the Greek word which means to succeed in reaching or accomplishing some activity or event. To complete a successful journey. So it's to be successful in accomplishing or achieving something. So when he says, I want to find a way, I want to be successful in my task. I want to be successful. So there's all kinds of ways to be successful. We all want to be successful. You define success how you want. It's it's individual. But we want to be successful in our life, in our jobs, in our careers, in our relationships, in our health in our finances. We all want to be successful, but how many knows there's different ways of being successful? We all want to be successful in achieving the goal 
maybe of getting married. Maybe you want to achieve the goal of being married, but you can either do that in the will of God or out of the will of God. Notice what Paul said. I'm looking to find a way to be successful, but I'm looking to find a way in the will of God. If we can be successful in the will of God, that means there's also a way out of the will of God. So I can say, hey, I want to be successful in my job. I need a job. Great, I can be successful in my job and not be in the will of God. So God has a will for our life, and he has a way. Notice what he says here, a way in the will of God, the specific will of God. The word will, here's what I want to break down. The word will here is the Greek word thelema, which indicates determination, choice, or intent. And we might think, yeah, I understand that. And that's when I first read it. I'm like, okay, I get that. But here's what God showed me of that. He said, listen, look at the rest of it. Because this Greek word, the root of it is different from other words. And what he's talking about, determination, choice, or intent. But it's emanating from heart's desire. So it's coming out heart's desire or pleasure. So when you think about the will of God, don't just think about his purpose, his plan, his intent for your life. We need to think about the will of God comes from, emanates from his desire for you. So the will of God, if I just think will of God, I can think generic, plan, purpose, blah. But if I understand that his will comes from and the source of his will for my life is his desire, his heart's desire for me, now I look at what he wants me to do differently because I know it comes from his desire, not some bland blueprint. So when we understand this from this perspective, now we know that wherever God reveals his will, there's a way to experience it. Because this word is an emotional word, and only secondary is a volitional word. So it's not just God's intent. It's not just a master blueprint, but it's also God's emotional connection. In other words, I want you to go this way. This is my will for you because this is my desire for you. I have a heart's desire for you. So when God says, I want you to live a certain way, it's not just because he wants you to live this certain way in a generic way. He says, I have a desire for your life. And so if you will go this way, you will experience my desire for your life. This is why we've got to understand the will of God comes from his heart for you. If you know God loves you, then now you'll want to do what God wants you to do. Because you know that, man, he has a great desire for me. The Bible says that he has thoughts of us that are good, not of evil, to give us a future and a hope. So now when we think about the will of God, i got to think about the desire of God. When I think about the will of God for my life, I don't think about the diet. I don't think about what I can't have. I think about God loves me so much, he wants me to go this way. I, 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 I can't go with that person. I can't be with that person because God's will, his desire for me is so good, he wants me to go. I can't take that job. Not because I can't, but his desire is stronger for me. What he wants for me is bigger. So now I know he loves me. So this is what Paul's saying. He says, hey, I want to find a way in the will. So here's the first myth buster that I want to give you. The will of God is based on love, not law. The will of God is not based on just law, not with rules and regulations. His, his will for your life is based on his love for you. You're like, okay, that doesn't sound very deep. But what I found this morning is when I was thinking about this and I even mentioned it at our, at our huddle before service, that sometimes we overlook how much the meaning of God's love for our life and our motivation for how we live is just God loves us so much. That's why he wants to do these things for us. 
He just loves us. Man, he's crazy about us. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. So now when he gives you this will, he says, listen, I want you to go this way. I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to do that. You're like, okay, I want to do that because I know he loves me so much. You think about your mom or your dad telling you to do something or not doing something. We've all, may not all have children, but we've all maybe had parents at some stage in our life tell us what to do and what not to do. We know that's their love for us that's motivating them to do that. So when they say, hey, don't play in the street. It's because they love us. It's they love us. We were walking and, and we were walking down the sidewalk just yesterday and, and Lucas was running ahead and, and we, we're right by a road and, and, we're, and we're started talking. You know, Don starts talking and hey, hey, Lucas, 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 stop, stop, stop. Why is she doing that? Is she trying to hold him back? No, her love for him. I like, wanted to keep him safe. That's why we know the will of God is the love of God. Just know that, that the will of God for my life is the love of God for my life. That's what he says. He said, I want to give you that. This has been the, the way it is from the beginning. In Genesis, his desire from the beginning was relationship with us. Let me read to you in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. We'll have to pick up the pace here a little bit. Genesis 1, 26. Here's what it says. Very beginning, God created man. It says, God said, let us make man, man and woman, in our image and according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle so they can eat steak, over the earth, and over every creeping, sorry, no letters from Peter, creeping that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. So this was God's plan. This was his will. I'm going to create man. I'm going to create woman. We're going to have relationship. They're going to be like me. I'm going to create them in their image, in their likeness. So whether you like it or not, you are made in the image and likeness of God. Yeah. Isn't that exciting? He was made like God. Not because we wanted him to make us like him. He chose. It's not like we formed a petition and a picket line and said, we want to be like God. We want to be like God. No. Before you were ever created, God said, I want you to be like me. We're stuck with it. Now, did God have a will? Yes. And we made us in his image and his likeness. So do we have a will? Yes. So now God had a way. He said, all right, here's what I want to do. I want to have a relationship with you. Here's my will. I want to have a relationship, but, but it's my way. So where there's a will, there's a way. There's a method. There's a means. Yes. Here, so he put, us, put him in the garden. Adam and Eve, maybe you heard the story. Put him in the garden. One rule. One rule in the garden. Not 618. One rule. Here's the one rule in the garden. Don't eat from that tree. Got a bunch of other trees. Enjoy all these trees. You get... This one tree, don't eat from that. What did he give them? He gave them a will and he gave them a choice. Love requires a choice. So you got all these different trees. You can eat all of them. Here's the rule in the garden. We're going to hang out every day. We're going to have fun. We're going to play some games. We're going to talk. I'm going to teach you about life. And then just make sure one thing, don't eat from that tree. So what did they do? One rule. How many times you said this? You had one job. You had one job, and you screwed up one job. We had one rule in the garden. They screwed up one rule. Because what happens? They had a will. They had a will. So now the enemy comes to them. Go to, go to Genesis chapter 3. 
Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. He had that tone. You know, he, he, I just imagine he had a little Barry White voice or something. I'm just kidding. I don't know where that came from. Anyway, for God knows, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, look what he said to her. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good. Hold up, time out. Time out. The devil said that the day you eat of it, you will be like God. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Didn't we just read that they were already like God? So God had a way for them to be like God, but here's the issue. The enemy has another way. He has another way. And his way, he will try to come to us with the same end goal. Be like God. Be like God. God's way of being like God or the enemy's way of being like God. And I'm telling you, the enemy will throw you and me all kinds of options in our life and they will look like it's the same goal just with a minor shortcut. But we cannot fall for the counterfeit. Can't fall for it. He's going to say, you want to, you want to get married? Hey, you can get married. This is what God wants for you. Man, leave his father and mother. Be joined to his wife. It's God's will for your life. You can either do it with God or you can do it without God. And this is what the enemy does. The enemy comes to give us that ultimate or alternate option. And this is what he gave to them. And here's the second myth we got to bust about the will of God. Here's what he said. He said, the day you eat of it, he said, your eyes are going to be opened and you'll be like God. God's holding out on you. The reason he told you not to eat that tree, he's holding out on you. Here's the myth of the will of God, that the will of God is limited. So the myth buster is the will of God is limitless. People think the will of God are, is like that diet. That if I follow the will of God, what can't I do? I'm not going to have any fun. I'm not going to do anything fun. My life's going to be boring, going to be bland. I'm going to hang around with all them church people who don't do anything exciting. So the will of God... Mythbuster, see the devil tried to say the will of God in your life will limit you, it will hold you back. But God was not holding back from them anything that they needed. Everything that they needed, they could find in God. But the enemy came and said, if you'll do it my way, then you will get what you want faster. And the problem was there's a catch. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. And so he tricked them into thinking, if you can get this now, just eat it now and your eyes will be open. God was already caused them to be like God, but the enemy is trying to steal that. So I'm just saying to you, we got to realize that the will of God that we want to bust out of our heart is that it is not limiting. It is limitless. It's limitless. He wants to give you everything, everything that you have. Now, the second myth buster is the limitless. Let's look at the third. Third myth buster. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Hmm. 2 Peter chapter 3. So the first one, the will of God is the love of God. The second one, the will of God is limitless, not limited. Limitless, it's freedom. We need to know this about the will of God for your life. You need to know that the will of God is freedom for your life. Doing it God's way is freedom for your life. 
Doing it our way, we think we outsmart God all the time. We think we're better than God. I hear this. I see people make these posts and say, hey, you know what? We need to stop teaching girls about safe sex or about abstinence, and we need to start teaching them about safe sex. There's a reason that God has these guidelines for our life. It's not because he doesn't love us. It's because he does love us. He wants to protect your heart. He wants to protect your life. He's not holding back. He's not putting boundaries. He's giving you freedom. Doing it God's way breaks chains. It doesn't bring chains. But sometimes we get too smart in our own everyday world and we start thinking that God says this, but we know something better. But God's saying to us, listen, the will of God is limitless. Let's look at the third one. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. It says this, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering. Everybody say long-suffering. 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 Long-suffering toward us. Not willing, not willing, not willing that any should perish. Wait, we can read that again. Not willing that any should perish. Not willing that any should perish. That word any means one, some, or every of all without specification. So that means all of them. Not willing that any should perish, any should die, any should be left apart from God, but that how many should come to repentance? No, we got, we got this. I want to make sure you're understanding this. But his long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. How many should come to repentance? Oh, he's not willing that any should perish. Any. Any. Here's what I want to address to you about the will of God and the way of God. The will of God happening in our life is not 100% guaranteed unless I choose the way of God. The way of God leads to the will of God. In the very beginning, I want to address something briefly. In the very beginning, God gave man a choice. I want to address some of the Reformed theology and Calvinism thinking that says we don't have any say-so. God just does it on his own. In the very beginning, God gave mankind a choice, gave them a tree not to eat from, gave them all the trees to eat from, said clearly, do not eat from that one. But they had a will and they chose the tree. So from that very moment, mankind had a choice whether to follow God's way or their own way. In the garden, they chose their own free will, the power of their will, and they chose the enemy's way over God's way. And they got the result of that choice, right? Well, thanks be to God. Fast forward, the second Adam, Jesus, in a garden. You got to understand this. Adam and Eve were in a garden. They chose their will to agree with the enemy's will. But Jesus was in the garden praying before he was getting crucified. And he was praying. And the Bible says he prayed to God and he said, God, if there's any other way that you can, we can do this, I don't want to go to the cross. I don't want to die. If there's any other way, God, please, let's find it. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. That second Adam, Jesus, in the garden, just how this Adam ruined it for us in this garden, this Adam gained it all back in the second garden. When he said, I'm going to take my will and I'm going to lay it down. And I'm going to say, God, I choose your will and your way. I say, yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. 
See, this is what he said. He's, he laid that down. And this is what happened. When you see this in 2 Peter chapter 3, 9. So now God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. All should come. Here's the third myth, Buster, we've got to understand about God's will. He's long-suffering. Long-suffering. The will of God is based on the love of God, his desire for you. Number two, the, love, the will of God is limitless. It's not binding. It doesn't hold you back. It doesn't keep you from fun. He keeps you from things that will destroy you. He will keep you from things that are going to cause you to perish. See, he's, but he's long-suffering. So now why, why do I need this characteristic about God being long-suffering and the will of God? He's patient with me. Anybody thankful that God is patient with you? He's long-suffering. I mean long-suffering. We, we, we're, we're willing to suffer for, for maybe a second or two, but he's long-suffering. He's going to be patient. When we screw up and we totally, totally drop the ball, go the wrong direction, he's still going to stay with us. He's still going to keep going. Kevin, can you come up here for just a second? I want to illustrate this for me. You play for the Eagles? How fast are you, man? Let's go. You're slow. So, so here's, Kevin represents all of us, right? And I'm going to represent God. And I want to try and illustrate how God is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. We need to know about this, the will of God. He never quits on you. He never gives up on you. Some people, would th we would think in our life that this is the way we are, that God is here and you start taking some small steps, Kevin, that we're walking away from God, making bad choices, doing it our way. God just stays here and say, you'll come back. You'll come back. You'll need me. Yeah, just keep going. Yeah, that's fine. We think that's, that God stays still. But I don't think that's the way God is. Come back here, Kevin. Moonwalk back for me, could you? There you go. That's great. All right, so here's what I think. He's not willing that any should perish. So the will of God is long-suffering. Long-suffering. So now as Kevin's walking away from God, away from the right way, changed, he's walked away from the wrong thing, walked away from the right thing, rather, walked away doing his own thing, that I believe God walks with us the whole way, saying, turn around, turn around, go the other way. This is not life for you. This is not what you want. I've got better choices for you. Go that way. Come on, don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. He keeps coming. He's long-suffering. He's always willing. He's keeping. And then the final moments, you wake up, you and I, and we turn right there, then he's right here with us. Say, see, I was right here all along. We're going to make this work. We're going to walk it out. We're going to figure this life out. This is the way he works it. Thank you, Kevin. We need to know that he's long-suffering. The will of God stays with you. He doesn't give up on you. Even if you've totally walked away from the will of God in your life right now, I want you to know that you're one repentance away. Because look what he says. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Repentance is, I was thinking this way, but I changed, and I started thinking a different way. You're like, well, you know, surely there's some kind of probation period, like I got to get in the church and make up for it for like six months to a year. No, as soon as you turn around, Jesus is right there saying, come on, son, come on, daughter, we're going to make this work out. We're going to redeem this. The grace of God is his ability to make a message out of my mess, to turn my trials and my, my difficulties into a testimony. But here's what we need to know about the will of God. God gives you and I a will, and he, gives, he lays out a way, and he says, here's the way. Jesus said this in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. We can all say that we all want to go to heaven. 
Maybe you're watching, you say, hey, yeah, Chad, I want to go to heaven. I, I don't meet very many people that come up to me and say, you know what, I just want to burn in hell for eternity. That's really my life goal. I mean, some people try to be uh, dramatic and try to be, you know, just for, for uh, shock and awe. They'll say stuff like that. I don't care. I want to go to hell. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. You think awesome. But if you understand, people say, well, how does God send people to hell? God never sends anyone to hell. Hell was not made for humans. Humans. That's why he's not willing that any should perish. And he keeps telling you every single day, turn around, turn around, turn around. I've got life for you. I've got a different hope for you. Come on, walk away from that. I don't want you to perish. I don't want you to perish. I don't want you to perish. But we have a will. And at some point, if we'll say, you know what, God, I don't want what you want for me. I want what I want for me. Then he will say, then you will have your way instead of mine. He is the way. Our will has to yield to his. I'll give you the story in closing that I think this reminds me of. See if this speaks to you. I read a communication uh, that took place between one of our naval ships and the Canadians. I think you'll like this. This is an actual transcription of the conversation between a U.S. naval ship and the Canadian authorities off the coast of Newfoundland. The Canadians say to the Americans, please, Divert your course 15 degrees to the south to avoid collision. The Americans respond, recommend you divert your course 15 degrees to the north to avoid a collision. The Canadians, negative, you will have to divert your course 15 degrees to the south to avoid, to avoid a collision. The Americans, this is the captain of a U.S. Navy ship. I say again, divert your course. The Canadians respond, no, I say again, you divert your course. This is so Americans. The, the, the Americans say, this is the, air, the aircraft carrier USS Lincoln, the second largest ship in the United States Atlantic fleet. We are accompanied by three destroyers, three cruisers, numerous support vessels. I demand that you change your course 15 degrees north. I say again, that is 15 degrees north or countermeasures will be undertaken to assure the safety of our ship. A brief moment of silence, and the Canadians say, this is a lighthouse, it is your call. <laughs> it's funny, but how much of it is our life? My parents used to sing in this group, and they used to sing this song, old song, says, there's a lighthouse on a hilltop that overlooks life's sea. Jesus is the lighthouse. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He doesn't need to move. We're the ones that need to move. He's the right place at the right time. Somebody, how many times do we do this? We, got what we, we want to do what we want to do, and we try and cram God's will into our way. Well, I want to do this, and so we pray that God will bless our way. We don't pray, God, let me do your will, whatever it be, because I promise you this, if we're going to do God's will, just like Jesus in the garden, some of us has to die. In that moment, Jesus said, I don't want to go to the cross, nevertheless. 
Not my will, Father. Your will be done. Jesus said, I take my will and I lay it down. And I say, Father, I trust you. I trust you that your will for my life is based on your love for me. I trust your will for my life, Lord, is limitless. That this cross is not going to be the end of me. But it's going to be the beginning of something totally limitless. I believe, Lord, that your love for me, your will for me, Lord, is long-suffering. That even though I don't want to do your will right now, you're patient with me. What in your life may render that same thing? That we say, God, I'm just going to make this happen and I hope God blesses it. Too many people run into relationships that way. I just think they're cute. I want to be with them and I don't care what anybody says. If you know God's will for you is his love for you then you want to run it by him I, I've got to take that job it's more money it's just bottom line I know it's going to cost me some family time may cost me some church time but, but it's more money I got to take it just run it by him just ask him Paul said that I might find a way in the will of God I want to come to you I want to do what I want to do but I want to be successful in the will of God because I know if I'm successful in the will of God, I'm going to be successful. I may, I may be able to be successful in coming to you in Rome. I may be able to show up, but if I'm not in the will of God, it won't be good. You might be successful in taking that job. You might be successful in getting married, but it may be something that's not good in the long run. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.